Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Whether you're thinking about bringing a brand new product to market, or you're feeling the pressure to modernize your existing product line to remain competitive, this era of Industry 4.0 is forcing manufacturing leaders to ask themselves lots of questions. What options do we have? What risks are we taking? What will it cost? How can we do it without excessive capital investment? How will we validate the viability of the product? How and from where will we source components? How should we think about incorporating AI? And can we start small or do we have to go all in? My guest today has spent more than three decades in product design, and he's here to help you navigate all of this. Let me introduce him. A passionate product designer and business executive, Kevin Bailey helps guide CEOs, startups, and established companies through the maze of product development to a successful, manufacturable, physical product fast. After spending over 35 years in design, Kevin is an expert in assessing risk and opportunity when making the hundreds of decisions required to move a vision into a physical product the users will love. After founding Design First in 1996, Kevin has emerged as one of the most experienced in Canada at stick handling product development from concept to design, engineering, manufacturing, and go-to-market strategies. More than 1,000 entrepreneurs, startups, and global corporations such as Ericsson, Motorola, Acer, Stanley Tools, and Christie Digital have brought product ideas to life under Kevin's guidance. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you, Kevin. And I'd love for you to start by telling us a little bit more about your journey and what led you to where you are today as president of Design First. Great. Uh, that uh, summary was a handful. I'm sure people even understand what I do. So I'm a guy that designs objects in the world. I've been doing it since the early 80s, uh, which is a long time ago. So I've had the luxury of watching uh, decades of different uh, trends and different things uh, come into the world, uh, mature and uh, you know involve into something else new new uh, tech come in and get involved and the passion i bring or the the interest i bring uh, to people when they get involved with uh, the things we do is wow you know somebody in the world creates this stuff and it, you know it happens in north america and these are physical products that you you, know, you throw on the ground and you get frustrated with and you you have all kinds of ideas of how to fix that user interface and how to solve a problem that designers along the way made compromises on and it seems so obvious they should have just done it differently uh so i get involved in in at the at the detailed levels in turning people's ideas which are always great into things that are uh possible and um reliable and uh producible so it's a it's a it's a really interesting area it's kept me um kept me young and i think all the people i work with we've got a team of 30 here that's uh, I'll call it an addiction. It's an addiction to creativity and 
you know, we go after not not just to be creative, but to actually solve real world problems and, and provide useful de- devices. Well, Kevin, let's say my company is a product manufacturer of some kind. We've been in business for years, have done generally well, but we're watching all kinds of new technology emerge around us from IoT enabled devices, machine learning, AI, et cetera. And I'm feeling like there's an opportunity here that'll soon turn into a liability if we don't react and start thinking about how to modernize our product line. I mean, is this kind of what you're seeing out there? And you know, how do you respond to that? Sure, Joe. The the first of all, there's three types of clients, companies, uh, business groups that show up at our door. There are the companies, manufacturers, sometimes uh, marketing companies, sometimes. But they are already manufacturing. They already understand the, the the nature of product development, physical product development, and and they understand the nightmares that you can get into. And they're working. You know, they have some form of history, and it may they may have they may be a large company with many many products in portfolios and trying to manage you know multiple brands, or they may be smaller companies, you know, single products. They develop them one every couple of years as they evolve. So the answer to where we add value. We add value, as you described, when something new arrives that their internal team can't deal with because they they don't understand the the implications, the trade-offs, the you know who are the suppliers, who are the reliable suppliers, you know what components are involved, what trade-offs we have to make. You know when wireless showed up in the '90s, you know, that was the big tricky thing to navigate. Nowadays, there's it's a lot less tricky. But when you're new to it, when you've got a product uh, you've been working. Uh, or been selling for many, many years as a manufacturer or as a, a marketing company, and you're faced with integrating wireless of some form, maybe it's a new generation of uh, low power integrating with smartphones or some other device locally, whether you're using Zigbee's or Wi-Fi's or the cellular networks, whatever you're going to choose as your radio choice, it comes with all kinds of implications and companies that haven't gone through it face a great deal of risk. And so we're really risk assessment people when you're getting outside your comfort zone, when your product development teams really need a hand to um, assist them in, in direction, number one, and in implementation and choice of uh, components that will you know, make with your existing components if you're doing a product refresh. And that's the, you know, that's the, the manufacturing company, as you used as an example out there, that's saying, how do I refresh what we're doing? We're a terrific choice because of our deep knowledge in a bunch of areas. We'll just, we get rid of the risk. We focus on the opportunities. We suggest alternatives. You know, Together, we pick something that feels right for the business case, the volumes, the potential suppliers. You'll choose as a manufacturer. It's obviously your choice because you're not coming to us to manufacture the goods. We're actually a guide, like a like a lawyer, like a, an accountant, whatever. We're, we're the experts in a particular area, identifying your options, identifying your risks, and, and helping you make better choices. And then we're also the design team that actually pull those parts together, get injection molded tools ready if that's what you need, choose the particular microprocessors and, and integrated chipsets you're going to use for your particular solution, whether it be wireless or low low battery powered or integration solar, whatever that particular technology you're trying to integrate into. And so that's, you know, if you're an existing company, we're a really good fit. If you're brand new, you mean, let's say you're a software company that's actually need a hardware device, a sensor of some sort to really build your software offering. Now it's a whole different thing. You don't know hardware product development. Now we're a really, really good choice for that because you've got a lot of learning to do. You, you know, We're not just plugging in and getting out. We're going to help guide you through a whole variety of choices you're going to make where most choices, when you do it for the first time, you're going to fail. That's just, that's known in the industry. 
well documented, right? It's just, as you get into technically complicated solutions in today's environments, there are many, many ways to fail through ignorance, through prototyping, uh, through manufacturing in quantity before you've really got a handle on your reliability and your you know component qualities. Uh, there's lots of ways you can fail, and fail is either before you get the market or actually in market. And then the third type of customer comes along is the entrepreneur. They really haven't got, haven't done a business that would be selling goods to the world, but they also haven't done a product development. And that's a high risk case. That's a that's something where we get, we we also can help either provide the information that would cause an entrepreneur to stop and say, okay, I get it, I can't do this, or for them to go, okay, I get this game. I am actually ideally suited to this. With a bit of help, I can get there. I can get this company off the ground and I can go somewhere. And so risk conversations, opportunity conversations, awareness is part of what we do for that group of individuals or, or people that come in and, and have really good ideas because they all have great opportunities because they're living those markets. They're living in um, with the users and the use cases and they see the new innovations. They see the new value. They see the opportunity from a business point of view, and we're really, we're, we're there as a conduit to to help them um, achieve that. So long winded answer, Kevin. As you know, the audience of this show is comprised primarily of B two B manufacturing leaders. What are some key areas in the industrial sector where you're seeing opportunity for creating new value products or services based on technological innovation? AI is the is the big. How do we um, sort it out and? AIs, I'll say it's twofold from our organization's point of view. One is how to use AI to advance the speed and the quality of the product development, which is the the way that we research, the way that we investigate, the way that we make decisions on choices, on suppliers, on engineering details, on materials details, so that we're, we're processing more information faster and coming up with better alternatives for us to, with our clients, select direction. And the second piece of the AI is within devices, selecting devices now, sensors, um, most notably, that have integrated data processing, data analysis, data collection in the device itself versus in the cloud. AI is not new. AI has been around a long time. It's been discussed in some form since the 80s. The latest trend is the actual integration of smarter code available code to people that are developing products integrated into devices. The integration into the devices means that for the same amount of cost, you can have a more functioning set of electronics that can do more locally, which can now be processed locally. It can be displayed to users locally. You can make decisions around it locally, um, autonomous decisions versus a user having to interact. But there's many different things you can do with products because you've embedded that smarts that learning into the product itself, as well as augment it with the online and, and the connected world, which has lots of AI or whatever we want to call this um, ability to look at a situation, learn from a situation, act on the situation in a real-time way that AI provides now through devices. So for all the manufacturers out there, for all the people working on products, you know, that opens a door that hasn't been opened before in terms of opportunity at reasonable cost. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Brendan, take it away. So I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Brendan Forrest. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. 
Right now, we have a group of 50 plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations that meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic, and one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to do a better manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. And on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there. Kevin, are there any examples you can share of AI at play inside of product design? Sure. I'll provide an example that uh, we're working with a product now, which is a product you put uh, over your face and it does analysis of your breath. It's providing health analysis through analysis of the the chemicals in your as you breathe. It's also providing you a variety of different um, body biometrics based on you know, your activity level and what what's going on. Uh, the sensors in those devices have to act in real time. They have to pick up on three or four different elements, uh, compounds, materials, motion, and that leads to feedback to the user as they're interacting or doing going about their activity that allows them to get a real-time sense of, of and, and they'll make decisions and changes based on what those sensors are providing as information. Those sensors actually then learn through behavior that a particular event occurs or, or a situation of risk to the particular user is worth alerting or providing um, additional information to users. So it's a it's a smart set of circuitry and code that is working actively on inputs from multiples of sensors and learning about a particular user in a particular environment and providing appropriate information to that user for whatever experience they're going through. They may be on a factory line and they're actually monitoring some chemicals coming from you know the particular environment that that person's been placed in. And so it's a safety-related Thing they may be someone who's in fitness and exercise, and is is you're analyzing that uh, person's what they're bringing into their body, what they're taking, you know, what they're exhaling from their body, and so the value of the AI is not just that there's some sensors out there and the device does something over and over again. It's that it's actually learning on a day to day basis based on the environment, the particular situation, and it's making better decisions about what the safety of that user will be. And that can be to alert some other machine lo- locally that would then take an action or stop a machine or or notify a supervisor. Or you know, there's a whole host of things you can see that come out of that knowledge that this device now holds, processes, and distributes. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good example. Uh, you know, something that's much more probably um, connected with people is the Google thermostats, the Nest thermostats. Those are learning thermostats if people have used them you know, based on your behaviors, uh, based on when you arrive in the morning, sorry, leave in the morning, arrive at night, they adjust. You can leave them in a mode where they adjust and learn and try to save you time and money by knowing when you want heat, when you don't want heat, 
fan circulation, whatever. But you can see that 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 environment of watching, listening, and making adjustments based on your past behavior, predicting future behavior. You know, that's algorithms that are trained and they develop over time as uh, as people get frustrated with some things and not with others, and and giving you some control to actually improve your environment without your cognitive load constantly trying to turn things up and turn things down. Kevin, it's it's probably easy for manufacturing a leader, especially one who's operated in a mature market for many years, to feel kind of overwhelmed by all the risks involved with investing in new technology. I'd love to hear from your perspective what advice you have about how to evaluate risk when making decisions about investments in technology and, and also you know who to hire when implementing them. That's a really good question. The the biggest, you know, if, if I'm the business executive saying, what do we do? You know, we, we, we're, we're in manufacturing. We provide a particular good to the world. We're faced with competition that maybe it, it feels like they're ahead of us. So, you know, how do we, how do we, one, justify the business case? How do we figure out what options we have to compete with the alternatives and find something? You know, the most important thing is, you know, where's the new user value? Where's the thing that we're going to differentiate on and, and and protect maybe with some IP or rally around because maybe we're the biggest in the industry and through innovation we can actually you know maintain our our, our lead over over others. And a good good example of a large company Armstrong is a is a very large pump company global that uh, employed us to help them with their uh, at the time this is going back uh, probably twelve years they were struggling with competitors from Germany and other places done a really good job on their look and feel of their products. Quality of the products were similar, but they looked like a better quality target product by paying attention to color, form, labeling, presentation of product lines in a manner through which it looks like it wasn't just pump A developed, pump B developed. And this company has um, a thousand pumps and some are bigger than a city block, and some are um, I can hold in my hand, and they do everything in between. That company was looking for how to innovate, uh, and they had to go outside. They tried internally. They tried hiring internally. They really needed a, a professional group that could look at this really technical product line and understand the engineering of it so to understand what they could change without risking performance and function to develop their new brand. And so we've spent quite a bit of time off and on over those years going in, proposing some things for each of the different portfolios and product lines. And now as a company, when you look back at it, you can look across their portfolio and see the influence of those things that we did where they do, they, they look professional, branded, visually, and the functioning of the products hasn't been impacted at all. Kevin, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you'd like to add to this conversation? I'm thinking within the context of manufacturing companies that are out there, there's a good analogy I have, which is uh, product complexity, new product complexity. So this will add to the conversation on, I'm the C-suite, I'm, the, I'm the, the group of decision makers in that manufacturing company that says, you know, how do I leap into that next generation and manage the risk as I go through? Or it's a marketing company that, you know, hires manufacturers to configure products the way that they need them configured. And the manufacturer is just the the task or the doer for that. What I tend to do with companies that are innovating is say, okay, you're in one of two buckets. Fundamental innovation, where the things you are changing aren't incremental. You're fundamentally taking a lot of risk. 
in terms of the changes you're about to make on your products and your product line or incremental innovation where you're you're updating one element of the product. Maybe you're putting a display on something that didn't have a display on it before, but fundamentally the functioning of the pump, for example, is the same. You can handle most of that incrementally with teams that can do bits and pieces and your engineering groups inside can find their way through that. As you go to fundamentally new products, things that you're changing the nature of moving parts, functions, materials, look and feel, the user interfaces. Now you're at risk of complete failure. You have to get a professional team involved. You have to look out to companies like ours. You're at peril. You might as well not even start because you're going to waste your money. You're going to fail. And 99% of the time, there are some people can navigate their way through and they can cherry pick um, different people to do industrial design, other people to do engineering, other people to navigate the manufacturing, all the design changes that will go on in that process. It won't necessarily be efficient, but you can still get to the end of the game. If you want to go quickly, you want to be efficient, you'll pay less money and you'll develop with companies that that have like literally my group of 30 has a couple thousand years of experience and all the things not to do all the manufacturing processes you know we deal with 70 companies a year that we navigate with them to try to achieve what they're trying to do not all are successful absolutely but our job is not to make them successful our job is to give them a quality product through a reliable manufacturing process and stream that gives them a shot at being successful well, Kevin, really good conversation today. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about what you're doing at Design First? Sure. Easiest is on the web. Type in Design First, Design 1ST, the number 1ST. Everything pops up. It's easy to get connect with us. You can book an online meeting and love to help people um, at least understand what risks they're taking, what options they have, and provide them with budgets around the thing that they're taking on. They can match it to their business cases and their volumes because some things, most things start in small volume. And you've got to understand that there's very few manufacturers out there that want to hear small volume, but you've got to be able to navigate that. And so through our supply network, we help people get to the point where they can actually mature and do much larger volumes. We help all the little guys, all the great manufacturers out there, product companies that really have to figure out how they're going to incorporate AI, how they're going to do functional interfaces, how they're going to refresh the look of their products, how they're going to do it without too many capital tool costs or, or their options. But there's there's many, many decisions you can make at the front end. We integrate manufacturing feedback right at the front end to make sure that the viability or the idea has some really serious scrutiny around it. It doesn't take long, but to just to say, here's the risk, here's your cost of bill of materials target, and here's the risk you'll be taking in what you're actually going to do. It might be that you require a sole source component somewhere in the world. It's going to be yours. It's only going to be made for you. That's risky. So how do you manage that? How do you how do you set up contracts? How do you qualify it? How do you ensure that that thing's going to be around four years from now after you've committed all this time to develop your product and there's some other company out there that is critical? A particular keyboard, for example, that's made for you because the specialized nature, you know, can you get around that? If you can't, then it becomes one of your high risk components. And we manage that with you to make sure that we're all aware that that is a high risk element and that we're going to work and and constantly look at reliability, secondary supply, whatever's needed to make sure that the decisions we make along the way have the best chance of you succeeding in the hardware world. I think the software world's a lot um it's fraught with other problems, but you can turn on a dime with software. Uh, you can't in hardware. You can throw out thousands of product because you made some bad decisions, and that has huge 
dollar value implications. You can invest in tooling too early. That has huge dollar value implications. You can avoid prototyping. You can do some other things to save yourself money. But we can tell you your odds of success in minutes based on what you're trying to do because we've been there. We do probably around 5,000 parts a year in prototyping in terms of places in the world that deliver parts to us as we integrate them in, we develop goods, and we help debug, sort out, and get products into manufacturing streams. Beautiful. Well, if you're listening, please check out what Kevin and his team are doing at Design First. And Kevin, I really appreciate you doing this today. Bill, thank you very much. I appreciate your podcast and, and trying to reach out to the people that are trying to innovate out there and see if we can connect the dots between and help people. Fantastic. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.